Thanks for downloading Scott Harold's podcast. If you use a smart speaker, you can always ask Alexa to enable the SOS radio skill. Loving all the words in these Christmas songs. And I love what Louis Giglio says. You know, we go from Malachi to Matthew on one page of our scriptures, but then one piece of paper separates the Old Testament from the New, and it represents like 400 years of history. We're talking with Pastor Craig Michelson from Faith Community Lutheran in Las Vegas. And you think about like there was 400 years and there wasn't a prophet speaking. There was 400 years where God's voice wasn't even heard by the Jewish people. And it's like that silence was broken with the cry of a little baby on Christmas night. That's exactly right. And it's a, a cry that's heard around the world. It's totally changed the world, having the Lord of all creation come into this creation as one of us to save us is just mind-boggling. And it's amazing how God could conceal himself and yet reveal himself so that he could carry out his saving work through that little baby. It's always been my favorite time of the year. In fact, I could sing Christmas carols and Christmas songs all year long. I just love this time of year. You know, it's funny because all throughout the year we're playing songs for Mercy Me, Casting Crowns, and Chris Tomlin. And then a lot of times you start playing Christmas music and you don't realize these songs this month are about the exact same things that those artists wrote in the other months of the year. Right. It's just hard to get away from it because it's so central to our faith. So even uh, when we're in other seasons in the church here, it still always goes back to God incarnate you know, coming in the flesh to save us. You know, throughout the Old Testament, we see a lot of instances of people hearing God's voice spoken through a prophet or after a prophet. And some people listened and responded, and a lot of people kind of turned a deaf ear. And sometimes the silence can be the most deafening noise in our world because we don't take time to listen. But then when God stops speaking, you're like, wait, 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 why, why, why? Right. He's speaking, but like you say, it's so often we're so busy, we just can't hear him. And that's why it's so important, especially as we're leading up to Christmas, the season of Advent. We always try to really emphasize to people how important it is in the midst of all the busyness. And there's so much great stuff that happens during the month of December. But to take that time out to just pause and reflect upon why did he come in the first place? Because we're sinners in need of a Savior. And just to have that time so we keep grounded in what the true meaning of Christmas is all about, because otherwise it just gets buried in in all of the commercialism and everything else that happens during this time of year. So let's talk about Advent for a minute, because I know in the evangelical world, there's a lot of churches that don't really talk a whole lot about Advent in their tradition. But for those that didn't grow up in a tradition that talked a lot about Advent, what does that mean to you? Well, it's an opportunity for us to connect some of the Old Testament promises of our Savior's coming with Christmas, but it's also that time then to prepare our hearts for why Jesus came in the first place, because we're not just preparing to celebrate the birth of a baby, although those are always great celebrations. We really are preparing to celebrate the birth of our Savior, and not only the world's Savior, but our Savior from our sin and ourselves. And so it's a time where we, you know, we look at the Old Testament prophets. We also look at uh, John the Baptist and how he was preparing people for the Savior's coming. And and we look at how that same thing needs to happen for us, that we actually take the time to prepare our hearts to be honest about who we are and the struggles we face as sinners in this fallen world, but also to prepare to rejoice in the fact that God solved a problem that we couldn't solve on our own. 
by sending his son Jesus. So for us, it's a great reflective time. You could also say in some ways it's a, a time of repentant joy as we uh, not only deal with the reality of our sin, but deal with the reality of God's love and sending his son to be our savior. Every other religion in the world teaches its followers to reach up to find God and try to attain some sort of favor in God's mm-hmm. eyes. But in Christianity, we recognize that God reached down to us with promises to be with us at all times and redemption and grace. And We're talking with Pastor Craig Michelson from Faith Community Lutheran, S-Wiss Radio. Our God sent his son into the world that he created to live amongst his people so that he could reach out and show them that I want to have a personal relationship with you, and I think you missed it. And it's it's a beautiful reminder, too, that this really isn't about a religion. So many religions, they think that somehow— we need to do something in order to save ourselves, and we need to reach up to attain that relationship with God. And the reality is, it's all a gift, and it's all a relationship that God made possible by sending His Son into this world. So I often uh, describe Christianity as the done religion, and all the other religions as do religions. And the problem is, you can never do enough to save yourself. It's all been done through Jesus. And the bottom line is, because he's done it all, it's not really about a religion. It's about a relationship with him through faith. So the story of Jesus' birth that we hear in the Christmas season, it's a story we've all heard time and time again. But what does the story of Jesus actually coming into this world mean to you personally, Pastor Craig? Well, it means a lot of things. First of all, it means my past has been forgiven. Uh, I don't have to dwell on the past. I don't have to feel guilt and shame over the past. It means my eternal future is secure, and so I don't have to worry about the future either. And it means my present has a purpose, and that purpose is to invite uh, people to know Jesus as our Savior and Lord. It's wild when you dig into the words in some of these Christmas carols and this whole idea of Emmanuel, God with us. And it's like Mm -hmm. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but God sent his son Jesus into this world as a little baby, God incarnate. What are you noticing about the whole idea of what Emmanuel means? You know, as we were talking about other religions, so often God is pictured as this distant, detached deity in the sky somewhere. And yet to think that we have a God who certainly is the Lord of all creation and yet cares and loves us so much that he's willing to come right into our world to be one of us, it just shows how much he wants that relationship with us. He can't have our sin, he can't stand our sin, but he can't stand the thought of of eternity without us. And so for him to come into this world in order to save us so we can spend an eternity with him, it's just mind-blowing. We think about the stories that come along with all these Christmas carols that we grew up singing in school and in church. It's pretty wild. We're talking with Pastor Craig Michelson from Faith Community Lutheran. Can you paint a picture of what life for Mary and Joseph was like back at that time, 2,000 years ago? Yeah, well, first of all, they're a very young couple. Uh, Mary was certainly quite young, and life was hard. It was one of these things where you're just working day-to-day to provide for what you need, And the thought of them needing to make that long journey to Bethlehem, especially when she's pregnant, that's that's pretty tough. It's not like they could just jump on a plane and then also uh, contact Expedia or or someone else so that they had a hotel waiting for them when they got there. It was a very difficult journey. And then to get there and uh, find that there was no room for them, except ultimately in a cave, 
it's it's pretty amazing to think that Jesus' life began in a cave and then it ended in a, a tomb, basically another cave. Now, you just got back from Israel, as a matter of fact, and you've seen that tomb. You've seen that firsthand. Yeah, and the cave, it's just amazing. You know, oftentimes we get the hallmark version of the birth of Christ, and there's this nice wooden stable, and you've got the animals in there. And then you see the shepherds and the wise men who get there two years early because they really don't show up until Jesus is a little child in a home, according to the scriptures. But history really uh, is strong, pointing towards him being born in a cave. And the Church of the Nativity is actually built over the place where a lot of the historians from way, way back say Jesus was born. And what's neat, too, is, you know, Queen Helena, she was the mother of Constantine the Great. And when he became a Christian, one of the things he he wanted his mom to do was to really go throughout the Holy Land and find out from the people who had been grounded there in different places for, for generations where these holy sites were so that those could be marked, you know, by the construction of churches and other things. And and uh, early historians like Origen, you know, they said, this is the place the, in Bethlehem, this grotto was where Jesus was born. And even the heathen uh, themselves would say, everybody's talking about this is where this Jesus guy was born. And what I find is that's humorous is when I look at some of the efforts that have been made either by, you know, heathen Roman leaders or in some cases uh, by Muslim armies, there were these efforts to destroy the holy sites so that they would be erased from memory. But in the process of doing that, they actually preserved the locations. So it's really kind of funny to see how that's all played out and how these different sites have been preserved. You know, we'll sing songs like We Three Kings, and you dig into the lyrics and you go, wait, what's the significance of the story of this Magi visiting baby Jesus? I mean, they probably didn't visit Jesus until long after he was actually born when they set the traditional dates as they study the archaeology that went along with it. But you just think about like Mary and Joseph and these kings that come and bring these gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Yeah, those gifts were amazing, and uh, I'm sure they didn't understand the full meaning of those gifts when they presented them, but the gold, of course, was a gift fit for a king. The frankincense, that would have been offered as an offering to God, and the myrrh actually would be used then for burial. And so they're pointing us to the fact that Jesus came to be our king, he's our God, and ultimately our Savior through his death and his resurrection. And that myrrh was used with aloes uh, when his body was prepared to be placed in the tomb. You know, I love celebrating the traditions this time of year. You know, there's all these different customs that we have that are passed down through our families. But Pastor Craig and your family, what are some of the traditions that your parents or your grandparents have passed down? Well, thankfully, my parents and grandparents were Christian, and so we always were centered in the real meaning of Christmas. And we would do Advent devotions together. We actually had an Advent wreath and Advent calendar, and and we still have that as well. We like to have that time where we can do the devotions leading up to, to Christmas. All the Christmas services have always been very special. The other thing we do as a church now, because part of uh, our celebrations in the past have always been thinking about those who are less fortunate. Our church now, uh, what we do is we have a Christmas catalog 
I guess I want to say counterculture to all the Christmas catalogs that come out this time of the year trying to get us to buy all kinds of things we don't need. It's actually a Christmas catalog that gives people an opportunity to give to different ministries throughout Las Vegas and beyond to help people who are truly in need uh, so that we can show that in Jesus they have a Savior. And what are some of the projects that you guys have in there? So the Holding Home is one, uh, Women's Resource Medical Centers, First Choice Pregnancy Centers. We help with disaster relief, and so we're sending gift cards to some of the church workers down in the Florida, Georgia uh, district of our church so that they can be continue helping uh, on the front lines, even as they're dealing with some of their own challenges as well. And then there's an organization called Faith Comes by Hearing, and they produce Bible sticks for the military, and they're also doing a lot of translation work, and so supporting them doing that translation work so they can get the Bible digitally into a lot of different parts of the world. We sing carols like, Joy to the world, the Lord has come, let earth receive her king. And when we dig into all the words, a lot of times during Christmas, some people just aren't feeling the joy because mm-hmm. they focus on the hustle and bustle or the family members that they're not able to spend this Christmas season right. with. And uh, It could be tough. We're talking with Pastor Craig Michelson from Faith Community Lutheran in Las Vegas. But Pastor Craig, when you think about the Christmas story, where have you noticed the joy? I think the place I see the joy is in the shepherds. It's amazing when you think of the fact that the angels came to them to first announce the Savior's birth. And, you know, oftentimes we just think of these shepherds as just real lowly people who were just out raising sheep. And for whatever reason, God came to them to show that he's here also for the lowly. But these were some special shepherds. They were actually temple shepherds, and they had to go through special training in order to raise sheep that would be sacrificed. And one of the neat things that I've found when I've traveled to the Holy Land is when you find out what's going on with these shepherds, when a a ewe was ready to give birth, there was actually a tower. It was called Migdal Ader, the Tower of the Flock. There was a tower where in the lower portion they would give birth because then that would protect them from predators. And then those lambs would be inspected by these shepherds, these temple shepherds, and if they were without spot or blemish, they would be wrapped in swaddling cloths laid in a manger to keep them from harming themselves or getting cut or or anything. And then these would be suitable for sacrifice, and then the others would be just used for normal purposes. So then you think about the angels coming to the shepherds and announcing that this baby who's the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world, would be found wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. That just brings everything to uh, its fulfillment for the shepherds because they've had what's really a dead-end job, you know, preparing all these lambs for sacrifice. And then God allows the angels to tell them the final sacrifice has come and even though it maybe seemed like it was a dead-end job when Jesus died on the cross, three days later, that sacrifice was vindicated as the once-for-all final sacrifice for sin. That's something that just always fascinates me when I think about these shepherds who are out in the fields and how they got to hear firsthand that Jesus was the one who's come to take care of that sin once and for all. 
Now, Pastor Craig, I know these last couple of years, a lot of things have been different with church and the way mm-hmm. that people are using church online, through podcasts, right. and singing worship music, and watching YouTube videos. But your church is putting together Christmas services coming up. You want to share about any of those? We have lots of Christmas services coming up. We're still doing extra online services because we've seen that that just continues to be an ongoing need. We also have a journey to Bethlehem, and what we do is we we actually transform a whole sanctuary into first century Bethlehem. So all the sights and the sounds and the smells are there, different activity stations for children so they could learn what it was like in first century Bethlehem. Uh, We even have animals, including a camel, and so it's really an awesome opportunity for people to uh, see what that's was like in the first century for people who were living in Bethlehem at the, the time of Jesus' birth. And we have other special events for the children, and we've got uh, women's Christmas tea, which is always a big outreach event. And so we just try to provide a lot of opportunities for the community to see that this is what it's all about. We're bombarded every day by our culture, trying to pull us in all kinds of directions at Christmas time, but let's just get to the heart of the matter. It's about God coming in the flesh to be our Savior. And typically you have services on Thursdays and Saturdays and then the main mm-hmm. ones on Sundays, but anyone that's wanting to plug in can go to faithlasvegas.org and it's all updated over there. Yep, and we have a wide variety. There's a family service, we have traditional services, contemporary services, so Lots of services coming up, and I just can't wait. I'm looking forward to them. They're my favorite services of the year. Thanks for downloading the SOS Radio Podcast. If you enjoy the discussion and want to help the podcast grow, you can make a $10 donation through SOSRadio.net or inside the SOS Radio app. Thanks for your generosity. It helps us experiment with new things and keep the discussions fresh.